Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. What up, MD Nation? Welcome back to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at Show, And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel, when you get the chance to do so. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're back here on a Monday night with the Week 8 Sunday recap, as we always are. And look, it was a Halloween weekend, and it was spooky, it was terrifying, it was devastating, it was heartbreaking. And I'm not talking about, you know, the movies or the fun houses you go to to scare yourselves. The demons, the ghosts, the devils, the vampires, they were all out. And I'm not talking about the kids who came around trick-or-treating. The fantasy... Villains, the fantasy hell came out on this weekend because, man, oh, man, were we all left scratching our heads with the amount of big names that we may not have for the rest of the season. We have a lot of fantasy roster adjusting that we're going to have to go through moving forward. And we'll talk about that as we recap these games. 
Now, like any other time, make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, wherever you'd like to go. And keep in mind, this is the recap show tomorrow at 10 a.m. We'll be back streaming to you live for the primetime recaps and the waiver wire report, which, of course, will piggyback off of some of the information that we go over in today's show. I want to kick this thing off. Let's dive right into it because we got a lot we have to talk about. So let's get some of these games out of the way. We got Washington and Denver in this matchup. I want to talk about first. Denver comes away with the win, 17-10 to at home. They need a big win here. Vic Vangio really feeling the fire underneath his seat in this game. And Denver played, you know, they played okay. They didn't play great. They played okay, 17-10. to Washington's defense showed up. We saw the return of Jerry Judy. We saw the return of Alberto. And everything was kind of spread around. Bridgewater only threw the ball 26 times. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams continued their split. Melvin Gordon was the better fantasy player in this game, getting the two touchdowns both through the air and on the ground. But 10 carries, the Williams is nine. Three receptions, the Williams is two. Williams did have one more target, though. And look, this just continues to be a split. I know there's been some talk about Melvin Gordon possibly getting traded at the deadline. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's their plan. The Broncos at 500 are very much still in the playoff race, even though they just traded away Von Miller. Now, Von Miller in himself, look, they weren't going to bring him back. This is not a Super Bowl caliber team. So getting a second and a third round pick for a Von Miller right now to go to a team where he can truly compete for a Super Bowl and maybe go get a contract either with them or with somebody else when he moves on was probably the best scenario for both. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Denver Broncos are punting on the idea of trying to make the playoffs, which is why I don't think Melvin Gordon winds up getting traded anywhere. They like what they have here with this offense. I wish he would, not just for his sake, because depending upon where he'd go, I mean, he could be even more fantasy valuable than what he's been as well. But Javante Williams, of course, taking over the second half of the season. They're both high-end RB3s. You continue to play them in your flex play. The problem is that it's always going to come down to which one of them scores. And that's going to dictate who has the better fantasy day. And in this game, it happened to Melvin Gordon twice instead of Javante Williams. You're running a very low floor when you play either one of these guys. But they are running backs that are still getting 12 to 15 touches a piece a game. That typically will keep you in the RB3 conversation. So nothing changes there. Judy, in his time back, didn't get his full snap count. He still played behind Cortland Sun and behind Tim Patrick as far as his snap count and his routes run. But when he was out there, he was running the routes. They had him targeted four times, which was a four-way tie on the team as far as the most target share goes anyway. And he had four catches on those four targets for 39 yards. He'll get back in NFL shape. He'll play more and more as this thing moves along. But the guy who I'm ultra concerned about that I'm even going to hit this drop on for Noah Fant, man. I am very, very concerned about Noah Fant and what level of consistency he's even going to be able to bring to the table. I think he's somebody moving forward that there's a big question mark. Can you truly be a top 10 tight end ranked week in and week out? Alberto comes back and sees one less target than Noah Fant. And I, was, I wasn't I was even concerned about Alberto. I was concerned about Judy coming back. 
because he operates in a similar part of the field. And I do think Judy will be targeted more times than Noah Fant, well, at least more consistently anyway, on a week-to-week basis. Noah Fant already kind of a Jekyll and Hyde tight end to begin with. And now there's more places to go with the ball. To Bridgewater, of all people, who typically will spread the ball out if he can. He doesn't usually focus on one particular player if he has the option to do so. So Noah Fant, I think, falls into that 10 to 16 range of tight end on a per-week basis where basically all you're hoping for is a good matchup and a touchdown. He's basically a streaming option at tight end. So therefore, based on his name and his recognition at the tight end position, if you could sell high on Noah Fant, I know it's hard to sell high on a guy who had two receptions for eight yards, but if you could sell high on the name value of a Noah Fant, do so. Now, there's not a ton of options out there, but take the opportunity to do so. If you shop them around, maybe there's a different position you can go after because streaming tight end is just going to be as effective as playing Noah Fant week in and week out. I'm here to tell you that right now. I'm really concerned about his volume, frankly, rest of season, barring there being any more injuries to, say, a Judy or an Alberto moving forward. Cortland Sutton will be a wide receiver three. I'm not concerned about that. And then Tim Patrick, he had the three receptions, 64 yards. Technically, he was the lead receiver on the day with the yardage-wise. But as Judy plays more, we'll see his role get reduced. He'll still be the third receiver on that team. So there will still be some wide receiver four possibility value to his game, depending upon the matchup and the game script. But we'll see him take a reduction as Jerry Judy starts to move forward. So Tim Patrick, not somebody you need to own on your team, I think, anymore, because he just doesn't have the same ceiling, the same floor that he was operating with earlier on in the year. Then we move to the Washington side of the ball. Of course, we have to lead off the running back situation and the headache it is. And look, if you feel like you were misled and you know dumbified basically by the Washington team, you weren't alone. So was I. So was a lot of other people, especially throughout the industry. Antonio Gibson practiced on a Wednesday. He hadn't practiced on a Wednesday in weeks. He practiced again on a Thursday. He hadn't practiced on a Thursday in weeks. And then Friday, gets listed as a full participant in practice and gets taken off the injury report. All signs indicating that he might be getting healthier. And what happened? They turn around and he gets his least workload of the year. And Jarrett Patterson, the third string running back, suddenly gets involved. This is a death sentence for Antonio Gibson. The fact that now we're watching the in, we're watching the practice reports to see if he's getting better. This week indicated he was getting better, and yet, in a game in which had a neutral game script for the majority of the game, Jader Patterson gets 11 carries to Antonio Gibson's eight. J.D. McKissick gets three carries out of that share and continues to lead the way in, in targets, eight receptions, 83 yards on eight targets. J.D. McKissick back to his PPR standout value because now he's getting targeted a bunch through these last couple of games. And because Antonio Gibson's not taking a break and not just sitting and getting rested and getting healthy, there's a good chance it just continues. There are very good chances that continues. So that's the issue here with Antonio Gibson. If you can get out, if you can trade Antonio Gibson and something or trade Antonio Gibson for a RB2, a, a whether it's a low and RB2, a middle or doesn't matter. If it's a qualify 
quality, consistent RB2 on a week-to-week basis, you have to find a way to pull the trigger on that deal. Because I don't know if this ever gets better unless he actually sits. And I don't know when that's going to happen because it seems like that's not actually in the cards. They would rather play a three-man committee than just let Gibson get healthy. And this shin fracture is not going to go away if he continues to practice and play on it. So I am incredibly concerned about Antonio Gibson, and he is not, I repeat, he is not a must-start moving forward for now. Until he gets healthy, he is not a must-start. So keep that in mind when you're filling out your fantasy expectations on a week-in, week-out basis. We'll help you out. Make sure you check these out on BillyFantasySports.com because I always have my rankings up there for you guys. And hit me up on the social media DMs at BellyFMBFFShow. If you have another option, I'll go through it with you because he is going to be a nightmare moving forward unless he's able to get healthy at some point this season. Passing the ball-wise, look, you care about Terry McLaurin, three catches, 23 yards on seven targets. Yeah, not the game you're hoping for, but these are the games you have to come to expect with Terry McLaurin. He'll have some really big games, and because his quarterback is Taylor Heineke, he's going to have some bust games too, and it doesn't really sound like Ryan Fitzpatrick's all that close to coming back, so we have to continue on with Taylor Heineke and just keep hoping for the best and better matchups for Terry McLaurin. Ricky Seals-Jones and what could be His last start appearance was kind of disappointed. Four targets, two catches, 12 yards. You had to play him, though, with the target share he had been seeing given your other options at the tight end position. So don't beat yourself up for that. The Denver Broncos defense had looked very vulnerable over the last four weeks up until this point. They played much better in this game. Logan Thomas may be on the way back, but we'll keep you up to date on that throughout the week. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Saints and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, besides the theme of scary injuries that are altering fantasy seasons as we speak, the other theme of this week seemed to go back to my comments from Friday morning when I talked about the Thursday night recap. And what I said then, if you missed it, first of all, always check us on your favorite posturing app because then you won't miss anything. But if you missed it, I commented on why is it that when coaches have their backs against the wall, they will actually take the time to come up with a very sound game plan in a way simplify things, but in a way also get more creative and keep their offense ahead of the chains and positive and moving forward. But why do they have to wait until they have star players who are out due to injury or whatever the case may be with their backs against the wall to suddenly get creative, to suddenly make the game easier and put their players in a better position to succeed. I said that on Thursday and uh, to talk about the Green Bay Packers, of course, with Alan Lazar and Devontae Adams out. This week was the week of the backup quarterback. Starting with this game, New Orleans Saints, Trevor Simeon has to come in. Jameis Winston, unfortunately, tears his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. As far as moving forward on that, it does sound like Taysom Hill is expected to be back this week from concussion protocol and We would all suspect that Taysom Hill will be the starting quarterback the rest of the season, barring injury. I'm not going to get too much into him because we're going to talk a lot about him tomorrow morning on the waiver wire report because you can bet bet your butt he's going to be on that waiver wire report tomorrow. Trevor Simeon comes in and just does what he needs to do. Doesn't make any mistakes, doesn't turn the ball over, keeps the offense in it, and the Saints are able to get the job done 36-27 at the end of the game. And Tampa Bay ought to be ashamed of themselves. It's a big divisional rival spot. 
and you couldn't beat Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints? Really? Really? It's a brutal game. It goes both ways. They'll play each other again soon. Alma Kamar in this game, 19 carries, 61 yards, a touchdown all on the ground, and then only four targets, three catches, 15 yards. Again, a lot of this game plan gets thrown out when the Saints had to switch over things to Trevor Simeon. This this thing, I will talk about this with Taysom Hill moving forward, most likely, because a lot of people are going to look at those four games from last season, and they're going to think to themselves, well, what we got then was you know a, a muddled down Alma Kamar because he went back to not catching the football. Will he get the 7 to 10 targets that he had seen the two games previous to this one that we were all getting excited about? Maybe not. But I do think Sean Payton, trading for Mark Ingram, and given the status of the wide receivers, realizes Alvin Kamara has to be the number one pass catcher. He has to be the number one offensive weapon for this team to be able to continue doing what they're doing, which is leaning on their defense and getting Kamara their offense set up to be able to put up points with the other teams. So I don't think we're going to go back to what we saw a season ago during that Taysom Hill stretch. Not to that extreme. Like, again, is he going to hit the 7 to 10 targets? No, I wouldn't suspect that. But do I think his floor should be somewhere around 5 to 6 targets? Yes. And when you combine that with a guy that I do believe gets 18 to 20 carries a game, even with Mark Ingram coming back, he had 19 carries in this game, I do believe you're still looking at a guy who's getting somewhere between 20 and 25 touches a game. He's still a top 5 running back. Is it as exciting as it was? with the trend that we were seeing the past couple of weeks, maybe not. Maybe he's not fighting Dalvin Cook for that number two, or, you know, with the news about Derrick Henry, fighting for that number one spot by the end of the year. Maybe that doesn't wind up happening. I don't know. But he's in a good position to be top five and possibly still be in that top three conversation. We'll talk about more about Derrick Henry and some of the other issues going on uh, later later on the show. As far as the pass catchers go, there's still just, there's no consistency. Deontay Harris comes back. He's the high target man at seven. Marquez Callaway had five. With Taysom Hill out there, you really don't like any of these wide receivers to begin with. And Michael Thomas, we still haven't gotten word on him. We'll see if we get some kind of update soon. I would suspect either this week or next week we'll get some kind of update on Michael Thomas. He was the only receiver that Taysom Hill could hit last year. And it wasn't for big plays, but for PPR purposes, he knew to target at least Michael Thomas and get him the ball. None of these guys have that build, have that ability. I am staying away from all pass catchers. Taysom Hill's out there, and Alvin Kamara, that's all you're going to care about from a fantasy standpoint from the New Orleans Saints. Move on to the Tampa Bay side of the ball. Look, they had a down game. And in a down game, Tom Brady still threw for 375 yards and four touchdowns. He did have the two picks. Chris Godwin, eight receptions, 140 yards, a touchdown. Mike Evans even came through. Not a big day, but two receptions, 48 yards. Had the 41-yard touchdown on Marshawn Lattimore. So if you had to stick with Mike Evans, which you should have, and you had to, you wound up still getting a decent fantasy day out of him after all, even with his bad history against Lattimore. And it wasn't a great game either. It really all came off of that one big play. But that's the thing about Mike Evans. It only takes that one big play when he has a tough matchup like this. Otherwise, he's usually just involved as Chris Godwin was in this game. Now we'll see Antonio Brown is expected. It sounds like they're getting more and more optimistic about Antonio Brown coming back after the bye week because everybody's on bye this week in week nine. So they'll be back in week 10. It sounds like Antonio Brown will be coming back, but Rob Gronkowski goes down in this game. As a result of that, it sounds like he had a setback saying maybe he probably shouldn't have played. And now you find yourselves in a situation where, oops, guess what? Rob Gronkowski might have to miss extended time now. 
if Gronk's going to be out of the way, then I am not concerned about Antonio Brown coming back when it refers to Godwin or Mike Evans, because now you have enough of a target share going around between those two receivers with Gronk not there. Everyone has a chance to get touchdowns. Everyone has a chance you know, to get their receptions, to get their targets, to get their volume, everything that you're expecting and hoping for in the first place. That's all going to be there. That's all going to be available to you. So I'm not worried about that with Gronk kind of out of the way from a fantasy standpoint. Now, for those of you who are holding out, hoping Gronk would get back, I think you're going to have to look for another option for at least a little while longer. If you have an IR spot, certainly stash him. We don't know what the timeline is going to be on him yet. It may only be a couple more weeks. In the meantime, it seems like Cameron breaks the guy they go to when they find themselves in a situation that they have to make a switch in game. He had four targets in this game. OJ Howard had three. But when they get the game plan for the week, especially you know the last couple of weeks leading up into this matchup, it seems like they're trying to get OJ Howard going, which would make sense. OJ Howard was their draft pick. Presumably, he would still be their future once Gronk was to officially retire, possibly. So it does make sense that they would want this thing to turn into O.J. Howard. Again, but in Howard, because you have all those other weapons you're dealing with, he's somebody's going to be in that mid-level tight end too. He'll be a streaming option, but he's still going to have a lot of risk because they could go a lot of different ways because this is Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they get on the bye week. We'll see if they can get a little bit more healthy. Maybe Gronk just needs the bye week. We don't know yet. We'll keep you posted on that as we move forward on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. So now let's get into the Seattle Seahawks and the Jacksonville Jaguar game. And this, oh. So, yes, I was also, I had Tyler Lockett in a couple of leagues. I benched him in both leagues. It was one of those situations where, I, I, I talked about this during a preview. I knew that the Jaguars didn't have a pass rush, which was going to lead to Geno Smith having an opportunity to play better than what we saw against Pittsburgh and the Saints. Both have very good pass rushes in the Saints game was terrible weather. So I knew there was a chance, given that it's Jacksonville, that Lockett could have a bit of a bounce-back game and DK Metcalf could have a bit of a bounce-back game. But it was one of those situations where you had to kind of see it. It was so bad on Monday. It was so bad against the Pittsburgh Steelers that you almost had to see it before you could really trust it. And, of course, what happens? Tyler Lockett, 12 catches, 142 yards on 13 targets. And DK Metcalf catches all six of his targets for 43 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Both guys lit it up fantasy-wise. Now, does this mean Tyler Lockett is going to go four games before he has another performance? Maybe. He's Tyler Lockett. But here's the good news. Today, Russell Wilson got the pins taken out of his finger. So that would indicate that when they have their bye, because they have their bye in Week 9, that would indicate that come week 10, which is what everyone's been very optimistic and hopeful for a Russell Wilson return, he may be back there. Keep in mind what I said a few weeks ago about the Seattle Seahawks when Russell Wilson was to come back. I said, hold on to these guys. Because if you look at the Seattle schedule, rest of season, it's very favorable to passing games. Very favorable to Russell Wilson. Very favorable for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And because this team is 3-5 and five and fighting for their playoff lives, I do think at some point especially given the running back situation going on, they are going to have to open this offense up and get a little bit more up-tempo and let Russell Wilson do his thing a little bit more when he comes back and open up this passing attack. I think it's, Pete Carroll is going to have his hands forced pretty soon. So I'm a little bit optimistic with that and the nice plus matchups they have coming up the second half of the season where I have big hopes for a Russell Wilson, a DK Metcalf, and a Tyler Lockett to maybe probably not on the same level, but maybe have a second half this year similar to the first half 
they had last year. I think there's a possibility for that to happen. So if you can still buy low on a Tyler Lockett or a DK Metcalf, I don't know if you can after this matchup, but if you can, I'd go for it. If you can buy low on a Russell Wilson, I would maybe think about that as well. As far as the running back turnout here, Alex Collins continued to lead the way. 10 carries, 44 yards. Rashad Penny did have seven carries, but for seven yards against Jacksonville. Alex Collins, hands down, is the best running back available when Chris Carson is not in the mix. Plain and simple. Now, because they want to sprinkle in Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, and they don't allow Alex Collins to get involved in the pass game, and they clearly want to get Rashad Penny at least involved. I don't know why they want to bother at this point because I think the ship has sailed on Rashad Penny, but they clearly want to get him involved. He's never going to be anything more than RB3 because his touch is going to be always very limited. Look at this game. It was 31-7, and he still walked away with only 10 carries in this game. That's the problem. So he's really, even in good matchups, he's nothing more than an RB3. And that goes for even if Chris Carson does wind up missing the rest of the season. There seems to be some hope that maybe he's going to try to practice this week. But like I said, with this neck injury, with this chronic neck injury, him being able to take hits is a huge question mark. I would not be surprised if Chris Carson does not play another down this season. We'll have to see. Alex Collins still, though, nothing more than RB3 moving forward. On the Jaguar side of the ball, let's lead it off with the James Robinson news. All right. Avoided significant injury. They're listing him as day-to-day. I would be a little bit surprised if he came back and played in week nine. They need to make sure they play cautious with Robinson. Urban Meyer came out today and said, you know, pretty much just as much. They don't want to bring him back too early. There's no reason to bring him back too early. So let's kind of keep that in mind. They may be a little bit more cautious with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he at least misses week nine with the, I guess they're calling it a heel ankle sort of injury thing here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22. So that means Carlos Hyde. We'll talk about him in the more on the waiver wire report, but in James Robinson instead, Carlos Hyde came in and was a workhorse back. We would expect that to continue heading into next week. Let's say James Robinson does miss week nine. I would expect Carlos Hyde would be the workhorse back. He'll get the carries. He'll get the passing yardage. Now, they do play Buffalo next week. 
So not really a great matchup. And your Jacksonville, you could always run to a buzzsaw. So all the volume in the world for Carlos Hyde may not matter in that matchup, but he'll at least be a high-end RB3 because of the expected volume that he should have in that game. So at the very least, he'll at least be a flex option if James Robinson does, in fact, miss week nine. We'll keep you up to date throughout the week as we get more information on that. Trevor Lawrence had the volume. This was a matchup in which he was a, a guy that people looked at as a possible streamer. And if you would have told me before the game that he's guaranteed to get you 54 pass attempts against the Seattle Seahawks secondary, I would have said, you know what? Pretty good chance Trevor Lawrence is going to be hovering around that top 12 territory. But the production just wasn't there. 238 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Seattle's defense looked like Seattle defense of old in this game. That's how ugly and bad it was. Marvin Jones was a huge disappointment. He had seven targets. You're not mad about that. Five receptions, but only 35 yards. It was captain check down. They weren't hitting him deep. There was a couple of attempts that went to him further down the field, wasn't able to convert. It seems to be an every other week thing with Marvin Jones, right? The targets are consistently there. So you think the floor is consistently there, but he only ever seems to get down the field like every other game. He'll still be that guy hovering around that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory because of the expected volume of this passing game and the targets that he should see because we still look at him as the wide receiver one on this team. The guy I am worried about, though, who we wanted to have value, and I was saying to myself after this week, if he doesn't show he's got value after this week, I think you can go ahead and do this. Prepare to be flushed. LaVisca Chenault, there's no reason. There's no reason to have him at this point. LaVisca Chenault's got to go. You, you, don't, you don't need him on your roster. The problem is that he's not playing the slot position because Jamal Agnew has to play the slot position. As a result, LaVisca Chenault is not actually a good NFL prototype wide receiver, especially not getting off the line and running routes. We've been seeing that since DJ Chark has went down. The extra volume has meant nothing. And in fact, he hasn't even had the extra volume. In this matchup, he only had four targets in this game. Guess who is the most targeted wide receiver? Jamal Agnew. Six receptions, 38 yards, 12 targets. Jamal Agnew is somebody who's actually going to have some sneaky sleeper pickup value this week if you need a spot starter here or there. Especially, I feel especially good about if you're in PPR leagues. Half point standard, maybe not as much. I know he scores a touchdown in this game. That's not something I think Jamal Agnew is going to do on a consistent basis even with the volume he might see. But the slot receiver in this offense is the most valuable receiver as far as the target share expected on a week-in, week-out consistency rate. So Jamal Agnew is somebody who does have that high floor now moving forward where you can kind of look at him and like, hey, you need a spot start. You want a guy out there that you know he's guaranteed to get you know seven, eight-plus targets in a game because of the expected game script and volume of the passing attack. That's going to be Jamal Agnew. Again, 12 targets in this game. He's been consistently targeted throughout. In PPR leagues, he hasn't gone less than double-digit points. He's a perfect spot start in a crucial spot that you can need. We'll talk about Jamal Agnew more in the waiver wire report tomorrow, but that's the spot that he's in. Dan Arnold, somebody who's been on my streaming territory tight end list for the past few weeks because of the expected workload I thought he was going to be able to get now that he became a Jacksonville Jaguar. 10 targets in this game. Eight receptions, 68 yards. Again, there's enough passing volume, I believe, for Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, and Dan Arnold to be options you consider 
on a week-to-week basis. The guy who gets left out, unfortunately, is LaVisca Chenault. That's the guy who gets left out. That's pretty much all we need to talk about with the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's still not a ton of upside no matter what. You still want to play these guys on a matchup-based thing, but the volume is there in place. Let's move to the Chargers and the Patriots. The Patriots find a way to pull off the upset, win on the road. I think it comes down to this. I think Bill Belichick has Justin Herbert figured out. Remember last year, Herbert was on a tear. Now he's a rookie quarterback, and they're like, oh, rookie quarterback. He's not a rookie quarterback this year. Okay, let's keep that in mind. He was on a tear. Then he played the Patriots. Worst game of the year. Worst game of his career probably thus far, actually. But ever since that point on, it was as if teams got a blueprint on how to slow down Justin Herbert. He was never quite the same fantasy quarterback after that. Well, he made him look very mortal again in this game. I kind of wonder, I hope not, but I kind of wonder if this is going to make him look mortal again through multiple matchups throughout the rest of the year like he did last year when people used the Patriot blueprint on slowing down Justin Herbert. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, history does not repeat itself in that sense. 18 of 35, 223 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions for Justin Herbert in this game. Now, the big question everybody's asking was like, all right, what the heck happened to Mike Williams, right? He had two catches, 19 yards on five targets. Meanwhile, Keenan Allen is getting 11 targets, six receptions, 77 yards, and gets a touchdown. I'm not going to hit the panic button on a Mike Williams. I never thought he could be a wide receiver one every single week for the rest of the year. Most receivers aren't. Receivers in general can be inconsistent from time to time. Am I worried that Mike Williams is now going to go back to being the old Mike Williams where you never felt safe to play him? No. He's going up against J.C. Horn in this game, who's been phenomenal as a rookie this entire year. And... They just made more of a game plan to take Mike Williams away. We know the Patriots take away number one option. The number one option this year has been Mike Williams. And therefore, Keenan Allen was able to flourish. Mike Williams had a tough day. I'm not worried about it. Again, I go back to this offense is different. They are allowing him to be a different player. If it, it would be one thing if he was running the same route tree, having the same role, but just had extra production this season compared to other years. Then I'd be a little bit worried about Mike Williams slipping back into his old fantasy value, but it's not that. So I'm not worried about Mike Williams. If you can buy low on a Mike, I can't imagine that you would, but if you could buy low on a Mike Williams because of this dud performance and being that he wasn't great before the buy, even though I would, I would definitely point out that he was banged up and that's the big reason why. But if you can buy low on him after two bad performances, please do so. Cause this is not something I expect to continue out of him. And good things for Keenan Allen owners. You're waiting for bigger performances out of him. You got a nice one here. Austin Eckler does his Austin Eckler thing. 11 carries, 64 yards, gets the rushing touchdown, tacks on six receptions for 60 yards on 10 targets. That's Austin Eckler. Top three running back every single week because of the incredible floor he gives you with the pass, the run ratio. So nothing to go, nothing to really talk about there. Jared Cook, two catches, 25 yards, five targets. He's a mid to low end tight end too. You're never going to know when to play him, just like a multitude of other tight ends, basically. So nothing we can really dive into there. But we go to Pager's side of the ball. Damien Harris continues his fantasy streak, finding the end zone. 23 carries, 80 yards, a touchdown. Look, the Pagers came in with the game plan. They were going to run the football, and it's a good one. The Chargers, while they've been very good against the pass, have not been able to stop the run. 
In fact, Harris actually wasn't that efficient in this game, but he had 23 carries. Brandon Bolden had four. Ramondre Stevenson had eight. Even Mac Jones scrambled for four, but we don't really count that in the mixture. And yeah, take a note of that. Ramondre Stevenson played in this game. J.J. Taylor was the healthy and active after having two rushing touchdowns last week. So clearly the production does not matter one iota as far as is Stevenson or J.J. Taylor going to be active in the game. What matters is the expected game script or expected game plan, I should say, for the New England Patriots. Is this a game in which they're going to roll into and look to just pound and ground the football? If it is, then I would expect Ramondre Stevenson to be active that game. If it's not, then I expect it to be J.J. Taylor. Either way, you want Damian Harris. Maybe if you're desperate, you're looking at Brandon Bolden in a flex situation of full-point PPR leagues. Other than that, you're not touching a New England Patriot running back. Plain and simple. Just not doing it. Mac Jones throwing the ball wasn't great, but he didn't make mistakes. He was out there to win the game. He himself is not streaming fantasy relevant anyway. And Jacoby Myers, he gets the most targets here. Nine, four receptions, 37 yards. He's turning in too many of these performances where it's like five for 40, where he's not even getting you quite 10 points in full-point PPR league. So he's going to start to drop down in my rankings. He was somebody who's like a low-end wide receiver three because he had the base floor. Unless it's a game script where I expect the Patriots to have some success throwing the football, I think Jacoby Myers is going to stay more in my wide receiver four territory than he's going to be a flex wide receiver three play. Uh, moving forward, I still don't care about Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. They're not involved enough on a consistent basis when it comes to the tight ends. So one of the things I was curious about, curious about watching this game, New York Jets, it looked like the game plan was to get to New Smith the ball until he got injured. Now, we knew he was coming back in this game. Now, I knew because it was the Chargers that there was a decent chance Hunter Henry would kind of be the lead guy this game in a revenge situation. And from routes run... I guess technically targets, it was him, although it wasn't really saying much. He had three targets of Janu Smith's two. He ran about 15 more routes run. One catch, 33 yards. Janu Smith had two catches, 13 yards. You still can't trust this tight end situation. It's something I'll keep an eye on. I still want to see if their game plan ultimately throughout the rest of this year is to get Janu Smith more involved or not. But you really don't want to have to play either one of these tight ends because they continue just to kill each other. They continue to just cap each other's ceiling because of how involved both of them are on top of how little they're involved really when it comes to the rest of the offense. I thought for sure this would be a team that would really heavily involve the tight end position in general between Henry and Janu Smith as their top targets on the team. It's been Myers and then a sprinkle of other wide receivers and then the tight ends or a sprinkle of Brandon Bolden and then the tight ends. So unfortunately, just not much value to be had there at all. All right, what I want to do now, though, is I'll take a quick break. I want to get a word from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we'll have more games to recap from Week 8 Sunday matchups. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street meet sports gambling in this innovative app. The symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose money. The value of your team's share is all that matters, and it's easy to use. 
Just download the Symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDSFANTASY for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul, where the sportsbook edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again, use the promo code MDS Fantasy for your $10 deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation. You are listening and are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And, of course, always live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the opportunity to do so. Always feel free to comment in during live during the show. I'll talk about them, whatever comments you guys have. We'll give a little shout-out and see what kind of analysis we can give you moving forward so you know what to do. We are recapping the Sunday afternoon games of week eight, which a lot happens. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. to talk about the primetime recap, Sunday night, Monday night games, and of course, the waiver wire report, which it's going to be a very, very important one this week. Hands down, very important waiver wire report. A lot of teams are going to have to course correct and find ways to limp on to try to keep winning championships. And of course, we'll be with you guys all throughout the year to try to help you do so and find moves that can be had. Got the trade deadline the NFL coming up. I kind of wonder if uh, one of these teams might be involved in some way or another. Philadelphia Eagles here at the Detroit Lions. So the Eagles win this one handily, right? 44-6. to Which is really funny because the line on this game was the closest line the Detroit Lions have had all year. And yet it was the biggest blowout of all of them. <laughs> Go figure. Philadelphia Eagles, let's, let's start on that side of the ball. So, of course, yeah, we got to talk about the whole Gainwell fiasco thing here where, first of all, the Eagles did something they never do, which is they actually committed to running the football, which was smart because while Detroit is terrible against the pass, you can just run the football on them all day, every day, and just win the game. As was proven here, Boston Scott, 12 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Howard, 12 carries, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell, 13 carries for 27 yards, no touchdowns. And all of that, or I should say 99% of that, coming in garbage time at the end of the game. Now, here's the thing. Before everybody starts dumping Gainwell right off the bat, Jalen Hurts only threw the ball 14 times in this game, and, and Minshew came in the last drive when they benched all the starters and got, got him out of there. The team only threw the ball 16 times total throughout this matchup. That is not a usual game script for the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? In fact, can you guys even think of another game in which they were leading and able to bother to run the football? No. This is a pass-first team. Normally speaking, because they're in negative game scripts against most teams. That will continue. I guarantee you this is probably the lowest attempt mark Jalen Hurts will have the entire year. Okay, so for Hurts' fantasy value, yep, first game he went under 20 points. I get it. But he still gave you 71 yards on the ground. It wasn't great from a fantasy standpoint, but it just goes to the floor of a Jalen Hurts why he's been so consistent. And had this game been a little bit closer, 
probably would have got you over 20 points in this game too. So I'm not worried about the fantasy value of Jalen Hurts. And the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles won this game so handily, at the very least, it puts off another week of the talk about, you know, Hurts being benched for Gardner Minshew. Now, they play the Chargers next week, so that may be a different conversation. We'll see exactly what happens there. We'll tackle that when we talk about our preview shows. But not worried about Hurts from a fantasy standpoint as of yet. Not at all. Not because of this game, at least. On the Gainwell point, they didn't throw the ball. His role, in my mind, is still the number one receiving back. He didn't have a role in this game because of the game script. Now, are you definitely discouraged because, you know, guys like me, I expected that without Miles Sanders, while I figured Boston Scott would lead the way in carries, I thought Kenneth Gainwell would still be more involved in that aspect of it than he was, say, with Miles Sanders. I wasn't anticipating Jordan Howard to come off the practice squad and pretty much split carries with Boston Scott. I knew Howard could be a threat. I thought he would maybe be the guy they turned to in the goal line. But that wasn't even necessarily the case because Boston Scott, his two touchdowns came on goal line looks. So it wasn't even automatically Jordan Howard. I don't know how much to take out of this game because, again, this is not going to be a normal game script for this Philadelphia Eagle team. I think more, more times than not, Jordan Howard will be the guy not involved of the three backs at all. I think that's a more likely possibility. The only guy I think is safe, no matter what, is Boston Scott, who I'm not willing to make more than an RB3, but is somebody we'll be talking about in the waiver wire report until Miles Sanders gets back, which still has another two games to go, minimum. So interesting from that standpoint, but not a lot to take out of it because this wasn't a game script you're going to see. Dallas Goddard came through six receptions, 72 yards on seven targets. He continues, I think this is, what, third week in a row now? Dallas Goddard, well, pretty much since Zach Ertz got traded, he has been the top receiver. Devonta Smith continues to disappoint. Three targets, one reception, 15 yards. Again, though, there are no changes in his fantasy value moving forward because of how this game went, because you can't take anything out of it because, again, not a normal game script. Philadelphia Eagles have been a throw-the-ball-a-lot team. I don't think that changed because of this game. Moving forward, that is. It just changed for this game. Now, on the Lions' side of the ball, DeAndre Swift, of course, huge disappointment. We get word Sunday morning Jamal Williams is going to be inactive. So now, whoo, sky's the limit for DeAndre Swift, right? Oh, he's going to get all the carries and the targets. Well, for a game in which they got completely blown out, DeAndre Swift got five targets. Now, I know five targets for a running back is usually good, especially when it's a floor. It's usually very good. But being that Swift has been a guy who's been getting eight to ten targets pretty much every single game, that's with Jamal Williams on the field, you walk away very disappointed. He only got five, especially given how this game went. Turned into five receptions for 24 yards. Inefficient on the ground. 12 carries, 27 yards. Something I know the Eagles are capable of when Fletcher Cox is out there, but as of late, they've been getting run on by everybody. So this, in every way, was a disappointing Swift performance. And because he fumbled late in this game, Jamar Jefferson actually wound up getting his garbage time touchdown that he had gotten the past couple of weeks to really boost his fantasy value. Don't worry, DeAndre Swift is still a low-end RB1 moving forward. That, that, that does not change. This is a bad game. I expect him to be better moving forward. TJ Hawkinson 
getting the volume we all want him to have in a good match with the Philadelphia Eagles. We said going into this is probably the best matchup on paper he's had all season long. And while he didn't score 10 receptions, 89 yards on 11 targets, you ain't mad about that when it comes to tight end. I'll tell you that much right now. Outside of that, this whole battle between Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond rages on here inexplicably. This is again, the Lions, the whole thing with the Lions was weird. Khalif Raymond had been the top targeted receiver. The guy who's been playing the most, most routes run for the past couple of weeks. He gets one target in this game. Amon Ross St. Brown gets five targets, three receptions, 46 yards. What are you going to do? You got TJ Hawkinson. You got DeAndre Swift. And that's it from a fantasy standpoint. Because, I mean, Jamal Williams, even on his best day, is what, maybe RB36? Because he gets the 12 carries. Maybe he falls into the end zone. That's all you're looking for. That's all you can get. So that's all you care about fantasy-wise for the Detroit Lions. And nothing about that changing anytime soon. So let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago Bears. A lot of things to unpack in this one. A lot of things to unpack in this one. So you have, let's start on the Chicago side. So there's no Matt Nagy, a head coach. And I felt like you could tell. I know the Bears lost this game 22-33, but I felt like offensively, from just a play-calling, game-planning, cohesion standpoint, it felt like night and day. It felt like there was a rhyme and a reason to what the Bears were trying to do offensively. And it also felt like they figured out, hey, you know what? You know what Justin Fields is really good at? Because it's not reading defenses. It's running. It's using his legs. It's being a playmaker. Finally goes over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown in this game and looks like the fantasy asset we all thought he would be because of his legs, not because of his throwing ability. We know he has a long way to go when it comes to reading defenses and actually playing quarterback, but we expected him to use his legs to make his life a little bit easier. Finally did in this game. And the only difference about this game than any other matchup was that there was no Matt Nagy out there. And I know he's not the one who's been calling plays, but clearly he's been one screwing up the game plan, I believe. Because all of a sudden you go out and this team looks a hell of a lot better. I don't think that's a coincidence, personally. Now, the woes for Allen Robinson still continue. And look, I don't know if I actually hit this button for him yet, but we definitely can. Prepare to be flushed. You don't have to hold on to Allen Robinson because of his name anymore. That's the only reason you're holding him at all to this point. You weren't playing him anyway. And with all the injuries and the bye weeks we're still trying to get through, we're in the dog days of the bye weeks. There's no real reason to add to, to, to have Allen Robinson on your team if you need to make a waiver move. None whatsoever. Darnell Mooney came away with nine targets in this game, six receptions, 64 yards. He just clearly has a better rapport with Justin Fields than Allen Robinson does. And honestly, mentally, I think Allen Robinson's checked out. I think he knows he's not going to be in Chicago there for the long term. He's on his last year of his deal. He's trying to get paid somewhere else to go, and he will, because everybody knows Allen Robinson is still a very good wide receiver, even if he doesn't have a good statistical year this season in Chicago. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to... Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Everyone knows that. He'll be fine as far as his contract goes. Somebody will definitely want to pay up for this guy. And all he wants to do is get through this year healthy. And I think mentally he's checked out as far as actually trying to perform on the field. So Darnell Mooney has wide receiver four value for me moving forward because I do think he's going to be a more targeted guy. But we also have to anticipate Matt Nagy coming back into the fold and then you know this whole thing getting screwed up again. Khalil Herbert was a little bit of a disappointment here. 72 yards. He didn't have a touchdown. He had two receptions that went for negative four yards. Not great. But he still had 23 carries on the day. You tell me Herbert was going to have 23 carries against a banged-up 49ers defensive unit. I would have said he's guaranteed a high-end RB2 status. So I don't think you're overall, you know he's better than that. The question is going to be now, is David Montgomery coming back next week? Because that's a possibility. He either comes back next week or they wait until after their bye in week 11, in which case he comes back week 12. So you may have one more week of Khalil Herbert being the starting running back and Damian Williams picked up another injury in this game. So if we go in the next week, we can expect again, Khalil Herbert to be the workhorse back. We have to see exactly what's going to happen in the injury report. I suspect David Montgomery is not going to come back until after the bye week. That would be my anticipation, but of course, we'll keep you up to date throughout the week. On the Niners side of the ball, Elijah Mitchell was, I, I was going to say Elijah Mitchell was the big story of the day. And that might go to Jimmy Garoppolo, but Elijah Mitchell was the more fantasy relevant player here. 18 carries, 137 yards, a touchdown. There is some talk that he picked up a rib injury, but Shanahan came out right away and said he is expecting him to practice on Wednesday. So whatever the rib injury is, I'm not anticipating it being overly serious if you are expecting your guy to come out and practice the first day of the week. So I'm not overly concerned about that there. And of course, you know, everybody had Jimmy Garoppolo finishing as a top three quarterback fantasy-wise of the week, right? You guys all called that? I called that. No, yeah, not at all. 322 yards passing. Finally didn't have an interception. Two rushing touchdowns. He had two rushing touchdowns. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. No, Jimmy Garoppolo is not streaming territory after this, but it does... What this does do is that kind of like the Eagles situation where you know you're not going to get Gardner Minshew at least for another week. You know you're not going to get Trey Lance for at least another week because of this performance here and because they got the win. So that's, (laughs) 
That was funny to me. Debo Samuel continues to be a top five wide receiver, six receptions, 171 yards, and nine targets. But we do have to watch the calf issue. Now, I know he popped up with it last week, which is why he didn't practice on Wednesday, but then he practiced in full on Thursday and Friday. And of course, he had a great game here. But it sounds like he really is dealing with something. It wasn't just like a, I kind of thought maybe that just meant it was a veteran rest day. Like maybe they just put, put him up there with a calf issue. Like, oh yeah, he's there. But Shanahan comes out and he says he's nursing a calf issue. So there's something still there. It doesn't seem like it's a hindrance enough to make him not play. And especially after we saw last, yesterday, it's not enough to make him not be effective. But something to watch just given his history. Uh, and since we're talking about the 49ers and other news, you got George Kittle. He's expected to be back at practice. They also opened up the window on Jeff Wilson Jr., which I thought was a little bit interesting because they had talked about before, but they didn't expect him back till late November. Now, 21 days after they opened it up, they opened it up today. So if he does wait the three weeks, it might be late November before he comes back. But I don't think they would open it up today if they thought it was going to take him 21 days to actually play. So whether or not it's this week, may or may, may, or may not be the case, but I'm thinking week 10, we may be seeing Jeff Wilson Jr. out there. Just possibility. Keep an eye on that. That could really muck everything up. All the goodwill that Elijah Mitchell is having right now, which is why I go back to say what I said last week. Elijah Mitchell and, to some degree, Debo Samuel are both sell-high candidates, especially after this game for Elijah Mitchell. Jeff Wilson comes back into the fold. And you got your Michael Hasty who's getting worked in, and Mitchell and Jeff Wilson. This goes back to being a carousel Shanahan backfield that you just don't know who's going to be who that game. Sell Elijah Mitchell off while he's a high-end RB2. Do it. Not Now, again, not for trash, not for garbage, not for just anything, but do it for a guy who makes sense rest of season, who has more of a secure workload that you can harbor in on, or package him with something to try to upgrade either at the wide receiver or a higher RB who's maybe not performing up to expectations at the moment. Look for those scenarios, but he's a sell-high candidate. And again, Debo Samuel still is, because I still expect Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback at some point this season, because I don't think the 49ers are going to make the playoffs. So just kind of keep that in mind. Plus, you got George Kittle coming back to start to take some targets. One last thing I'll mention about San Francisco that was very interesting. Brandon Ayuk, while he only had four receptions for 45 yards, he had seven targets and was more involved in this game than he's been in any other point this season. And in fact, Brandon Ayuk played more snaps and ran more routes than Debo Samuel in this game. Very interesting. Now, that could go all by the wayside with George Kittle coming back next week. But it was just interesting that finally he actually played like he was a bona fide starting wide receiver on this team, which is kind of saying a lot given the year that he's had. So something to kind of keep an eye on there moving forward. All right, let's dive in to the Carolina-Atlanta game. It feels like there's really just not a lot of breakdown here, right? Carolina, Sam Darnold was terrible. Again, awful again. 13 of 24 picks up an injury on the way. Concussion. We'll have to see if he can pass protocol because as bad as Sam Darnold is, he's still better than PJ Walker. I'll give him that at least. But only 129 yards against Atlanta. A terrible defense. It's killing DJ Moore. DJ Moore, I believe moving forward, cannot be valued as a wide receiver one. I think he's a wide receiver two 
only based on volume because his quarterback play is so bad that the efficiency and those top-notch games that we were seeing earlier in the year, I don't know if they come back. They might be one here or one there, but certainly not on a consistent basis. So DJ Moore is also somebody that I'm thinking about selling high. Why? Because he might still have the name, the lore of what he had earlier on this season. Everybody was always been a big fan of DJ Moore to begin with. You might be able to sell him for more than what he's worth right now. Because what he's worth is a wide receiver too, based on matchup and volume. Because Sam Darnold is looking like the Jets' Sam Darnold. And there's really no rhyme or reason for it other than he's just Sam Darnold and he stinks. So if you can sell high on DJ Moore, I might look into doing that. Good old Robbie Anderson. Zero catches, zero yards, one target. Oh, man. Brutal for that guy. So the other question we have about Carolina going into week nine is going to be, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Does he come back? This is the week that he's going to be eligible to come off of IR. Matt Roll talking about they expect him to be out there on Wednesday at practice. What capacity he's going to practice in is anybody's guess as of this point, apparently. But he still called McCaffrey 50-50 for week nine. He didn't, But he didn't just say week nine. He said week nine and week 10. So make sure you're holding on to Chuba Hubbard. Even if you're not the McCaffrey owner, don't cut loose of Hubbard. First of all, you always have the possibility of re-injury. But also, if he's saying 50-50 for week 9 and week 10, I would say he's probably less than a 50% chance to play in week 9 as a result of that. So don't be cutting Hubbard just yet. Now, now Hubbard himself is what his fantasy value is. You like the carries in this game, 24 carries. Eight yards wasn't particularly efficient in this matchup. You would want more than that, but he does get the rushing touchdown. He was good for you from a fantasy standpoint. Here's the one issue. They brought in Amir Abdullah. And Amir Abdullah, in his first game there, gets five targets, three receptions, 35 yards, compared to Chuba Hubbard's two targets, one catch, nine yards. So the problem is this moving forward. Hubbard is going to have a low floor unless he's in a good matchup for rushing the football. Because apparently, whether it's Royce Freeman, Amir Abdullah, Chuba Hubbard is not going to be involved enough in the passing game, at least not when it matters. Two-minute drill third and long. He's not going to be involved in that capacity. It was on first and second down. He may still pick up a catch here and there, but he's there to be the runner. He's not there to catch the football. So that kind of kills his fantasy value from being what could be a high-end RB2 to being more of a low-end RB2 and being a bit matchup dependent on top of that because if Carolina not performing particularly well at offense right now. So something to kind of keep in mind, but don't, don't give him up because we still have no idea on the real status of Christian McCaffrey as of this moment. So don't go dropping him just in case. On the Falcons side of the ball, yes, we have to address the Calvin Ridley issue here. Hopefully, he's able to figure out whatever it is that he needs to figure out, whether it's through therapy or, or whatever the case may be. Hopefully, he's able to get right in a mental space. Of course, we all wish that in MD Nation. We got to talk about the fantasy aspect of this. So the horrendous thing here was it was Sunday morning out of no, there's no warning whatsoever. And all of a sudden Sunday morning, Calvin Ridley inactive. So you had to scramble to replace him for that week. Now we're in a situation. We have zero timeline on a Calvin Ridley. It could be two weeks. It could be the rest of the season. It could be somewhere in between who knows. So here's my thing about what you do with Calvin Ridley for now. Hopefully, you have an IR spot because I do believe he's going to be ruled out while you know he's away from the team the entire time. 
So hopefully if you have an IR spot, you can just stash him there. And that kind of solves all your problems. Because then I do think he's worth just stashing your IR spot until we get some kind of clarity on the issue. Probably in a couple of weeks from now would be my guess uh, as far as what the soonest update I would expect from him or the team. If you don't have an IR spot or if your IR is full, because that quite could be the possibility right now at this point in the season too. I think you can definitely contemplate dropping Calvin Ridley, but I would think because Ridley is somebody you drafted as high as you did, and up until today, we're leaning on him to be a key factor for you moving forward, I would think you have somebody else in your roster you could drop first. I really believe strongly that you need to hold Calvin Ridley for at least two more weeks from now. At least two more weeks just to see how things are kind of playing out. Now, if after two weeks we haven't heard a single update then, and you need to drop them, then maybe we could talk about it then. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on them just yet. We don't know if this is going to be season ending or not. We don't know what's going on. But I wouldn't want to drop him if you can all help it, not just yet anyway. So that's the best advice, unfortunately, that I can give you. I wish it was more insight than that. But right now, just not enough information to go based off of. What I can tell you... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is don't bop picking up an Atlanta Falcon wide receiver to replace him with. Because, man, oh, man, are they awful. Tajay Sharp came in. He he kind of filled in the Calvin Ridley role the most out of all of them. He had six targets, five receptions, 58 yards. We know what Tajay Sharp is. We've seen him a bunch of times. All means Zacchaeus, he only had one target in this game. Russell Gage wasn't targeted once. Look, it's Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson. That's all you're going to care about from a fantasy standpoint, the Atlanta Falcons. Without Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan has no floor. I don't want to have to stream him no matter what the matchup situation is going to be. And Cordell Patterson has been a big enough playmaker and gets more enough involved. And he's going to have to even be more involved now that Calvin Ridley is going to be gone. They may even have to play him more at wide receiver going forward. That's something kind of be interesting to keep your eye on. But it's Patterson, it's Pitts. I don't care about anybody else. I know Pitts was disappointing in this game. He's going to have a guaranteed volume the rest of the season. Not that he already didn't have one, but he's going to be the number one targeted pass catcher, I would believe, more times than not rest of the year for the Atlanta Falcons. Patterson, this game, we were watching to see, you know, because after last week, he had pretty much dominated Mike Davis in touches, and we wanted to see if that would continue. It got back to being a little bit more even this week. Both had nine carries apiece, and then Patterson had the five targets. Mike Davis had six targets in this game. So they both got heavily involved. I think that does continue, especially now without Calvin Ridley. Because, again, I think they might have to use Patterson more as a wide receiver. So you'll see Mike Davis and Patterson out there at the same time, I think, kind of often. So I think the user will still be there. But I don't. there's just no value. There's no ceiling. There's, there's nothing you want to play Mike Davis for. So technically speaking, because of his expected volume, is he worth rostering? Probably. But I'm only playing him if I have no other option. So, again, I go back to it's Cordell Patterson, it's Kyle Pitts. And I don't care about anything else for this team fantasy wise. So let's go to the other slow scoring dud game that we had for the week. And we had the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns 15 to 10 
Steelers win on the road coming off the bye. That was my upset money line pick of the week, so I was happy that hit at least. Wasn't very happy watching this game from any fantasy standpoint or even just entertainment standpoint in general. This was not a fun game to watch. Najee Harris continues to be Najee Harris. You just you just get all the volume, and one way or another, you'll perform as a result of that. 26 carries, 91 yards, picks up the touchdown, and then has three receptions for 29 yards and three targets in this game. Volume, volume, volume. Najee Harris is an RB1. There's really nothing changing, or we got to go over there. Nothing really changed with the wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, number one targeted guy, 13 targets. Double-digit targets is almost a lock, no matter what game script situation is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I will say this, though. It wasn't looking great from a stat line situation until he got that 50-yarder late in the game to give him a six-reception, 98-yard box score stat. But it was looking pretty brutal up until that point. Not worried about it. The volume is key for Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool continues to be a wide receiver three just because of the lack of the deep ball coming out of Ben Roethlisberger. But he does have the extra target volume without Juju Smith-Schuster. Four receptions, 45 yards, five targets. And Pat Freermuth, he picks up the touchdown in this game, had seven targets, four catches, 44 yards, has been on my sleeper streaming radar for a while now. But I wouldn't get too excited. A lot of people are saying, like, without Eric Ebron, then he can be considered that mid-level streaming tight end too. And that may be the case. But even without Eric Ebron, Zach Gentry ran a ton of targets and uh, ran a ton of routes in this game and had five targets, only had two less targets, three receptions, 39 yards himself. So he basically played the Eric Ebron role. So from a usage standpoint, Pat Freeman really didn't get like the extra usage you would expect with no Eric Ebron being there. So I don't know how excited I really want to get about this just yet. You know, with Pat Freermuth, oh, oh, Eric Ebron's out. He's a streaming option. Like eh, Usage-wise, it wasn't much different. So something to kind of keep an eye on, but he is still getting a good amount of targets, and he's basically become that third, fourth pass catcher, depending upon if you want to put him or Najee Harris, kind of what direction you want to put them in as far as the pecking order goes for pass targets out of Ben Roethlisberger. But he, he's put himself in a vital spot within that offense from a target standpoint. So he does have some low, has high floor consistency value uh, moving forward. Kind of keep your eye on there. On the Cleveland Browns side of the ball, look, Baker Mayfield is just not playing well. Injury, whatever have you. And it's always going to be a low-volume passing game anyway. So I'll kick it off with this. OBJ. Prepare to be flushed. like Allen Robinson. You are all name and no actual value. None whatsoever. You're never going to play OBJ. I don't think you can trade OBJ. He's he's not. You can drop OBJ. That's what you can do. If you're 10, 12 man leagues, I don't see a reason why you need to own him. None whatsoever. Jarvis Landry, 10 targets in this game. And that's the other reason why. With Jarvis Landry back, he is always been the favorited target of Baker Mayfield. And while it's never really that gaudy from a fantasy standpoint, and it wasn't today, five receptions, 65 yards, he still at least has a safe floor where you know he's going to get targeted the most. OBJ had one target in this game. One. One target for one reception for six yards. Drop him. Nick Chubb, his first game back, 16 carries, 61 yards, one reception, Eight yards. 
the Browns didn't have the ball very much in this game. Pittsburgh did a really good job kind of controlling the clock and controlling possession. And it wound up being a 15-10 fast-paced game because everybody was just running the football. So I expect more times not Nick Chubb moving forward. He'll get back to his 20-plus carries in the game. We all wanted to know what was what was going to be the roles here between a Chubb and a Dearness Johnson who had the big week. And basically what we got was this. Nick, it was like Nick Chubb with a little plus, a little extra volume, and Dearness Johnson got the Cream Hunt light role. Where he doesn't quite have the same role as a Cream Hunt, but he did play in a similar usage way where he still ran a lot more routes, was more targeted. Again, it was three to one. So it's, as far as targets go, it's not a huge difference. Both only had one reception. But he kind of had the Cream Hunt light role. So I don't think he's a flex play. I know he scored in this game, but I don't think typically he's going to be a flex play alongside Nick Chubb. But Chubb also at the same time is not in a position to get the extra targets that we were kind of hoping maybe he'd be a little bit more involved in the pass game. It doesn't seem like that's going to come to fruition either. But I do expect better days ahead for Nick Chubb. I wouldn't worry about this game. In fact, he could be one of the guys maybe you buy low on because he's been out for the past couple of weeks. He hasn't really been helping his fantasy owners out too much. He has a bad game in this one. So if you're looking to sell high like an Elijah Mitchell and you're trying to package him together, maybe Nick, Nick Chubb might be a buy low candidate depending upon what the record of the fantasy owner who has him in your league is. Everything's, everything's always relative. But just kind of keep your eyes on guys whose values have been kind of trending in the wrong direction as of late. What I want to do is I want to get another word in from our sponsor before we end this show. When we come back, we have a few more games to recap. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Veins football show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, always live to you on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the chance to do so. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Week 8 Sunday afternoon recap, talking about all the things that happened Sunday afternoon. And, man, oh, man, was there a ton of it on this spooky, scary Halloween of a fantasy football week? Without a doubt. Whew. Brutal. Hopefully the curses will be lifted moving forward because I don't think we could take much more as fantasy football players. But I'll tell you who was uh, dressed up as not themselves this weekend, and that was the New York Jets 
pulling off the upset of the week without a doubt. It was a it was a minus eleven line before this game actually started. It kept moving up and up in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals, who have been a 5-2 and two team coming in, have been an excellent defense. I've been touting how underrated their defense was from an NFL standpoint pretty much all season long. Offense, young and ex- explosive, exciting. Playing against the New York Jets, great opportunity. Mike White, whose name alone sounds like he's nothing more than a practice squad quarterback. Well, the practice squad quarterback dropped 400 yards, three touchdowns, even had to come out for his series because he got hurt and still ran a Philly 50 special where they got a two-point conversion <laughs> and executed it. The guy played. He balled, and he earned himself a start on Thursday night, even though they had traded for Joe Flacco, probably anticipating that they were going to play Joe Flacco Thursday night. But after them winning this game and after that performance, the guy gets another crack at it against the Indianapolis Colts. Unbelievable. So here's the thing about Mike White. It's going to lead us into the Michael Carter conversation. He's a check down king. And that makes Michael Carter, as long as Mike White is the starting quarterback, an RB2. Makes him an RB2. Because now you have a guy who's not only trending in the right direction, has completely taken over the backfield as far as the carries go. He's still leading the way in routes run and receiving as well. Ty Johnson does get involved in that aspect of the game, but Michael Carter's still leading the way. So now with Mike White at quarterback, Michael Carter had 24 touches in this game, but 14 targets, 9 receptions, 95 yards, on top of his 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. With Mike White back there, he has a RB2 floor because through six quarters, basically, we had a half a game, and then we had the full game in this one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. There's been one thing that's been super consistent. Slot receiver, check down the running backs. That's why even Ty Johnson, even though he's not playing nearly as much as Mike White, or Michael Carter, excuse me, still winds up with five receptions for 71 yards, a receiving touchdown, and six targets in his own right. So the running backs are going to be involved in the passing game. Here is what I say against the Indianapolis Colts, and I will talk about this more in the preview, but now we we know we get another start out of Mike White. You stick with Michael Carter for this week. You play him. He's going to have a nice floor. Again, going back to receptions, it's guaranteed he's going to get volume in the passing game. Zach Wilson may be a week or two away from returning. If we find out Zach Wilson is going to come back in week 10, sell high on Michael Carter. 
because everyone's going to be looking at his usual, like, oh, the young, the young guy, the rookie guy, he's explosive. He's getting all this volume in the passing and the rushing game. When Zach Wilson comes back, he's not going to check the ball down nearly as much as we've seen so far this season as Mike White is, as he's naturally inclined to do so. So then Michael Carter goes back to, yeah, he's still the lead back. Yeah, he's still an RB3, but he doesn't have the same passing floor. He doesn't have the same upside because of that. And right now, Michael Carter, he's starting to become that flavor of the month for fantasy football, or at least the past few weeks anyway. He's starting to become that hot guy that you can turn and sell for, you know, ten for twice the amount on the dollar, basically right now for Michael Carter. I keep him one more week because I want you guys to benefit on Mike White being the quarterback and the expected receptions that I would have Michael Carter getting against the Indianapolis Colts. I don't think he's going to get much on the ground, but catching the ball, you can. Get him one more week and then sell him high. Because Mike White, you know, when Zach Wilson comes back, that's it. And all of a sudden, we know what goes back to the game plan being. So just kind of keep that in mind moving forward. But that's what we know to expect. Jameson Crowder, eight receptions, 84 yards on nine targets. Again, going back to the slot receiver. Now, I know Corey Davis wasn't active in this game. And, of course, that plays a role. But Denzel Mims played quite a bit, wasn't targeted. Three targets, two catches, 30 yards in this game. To me, if Mike White's the guy, it's the slot receiver, it's the running back. So Crowder in full point PPR is somebody who I think might have a little bit of a spot start value to his game going up against the Colts this week. So I'm going to kind of keep in mind, and we're going to talk about that again, hint, hint, tomorrow during the waiver wire report. On the Bengals side of the ball, look, better days are ahead. And let's say this, Joe Burrow didn't play a good game, still walks away with three passing touchdowns, though. So he continues to just be that lower-end QB1 no matter the situation, we know better days are ahead for Jamar Chase. Three receptions, 32 yards. He still walks away with a touchdown on nine targets. T. Higgins winds up being the lead receiver on the day. Four receptions, 97 yards, six targets. And even Tyler Boyd got involved. Eight targets, comes away with a touchdown, five receptions, 69 yards. Look, the thing about Tyler Boyd, there's a lot of talk about like, oh, well, he's resurging back into fantasy value. I still say no. It doesn't, this doesn't change anything. This was a game in which didn't go as expected. Therefore, it's hard to take anything with sustainability out of it moving forward for this team. He still doesn't have the big play. And most of the time, he's not really a touchdown guy. I know he happened to got one in this game. That's not usually his forte. So you're still talking about a guy who's like normal stat lines, what he got without the touchdown. Five catches, 69 yards, maybe. That's still more what he is. Meaning I still don't really want to care or have him. He's still third on my list when it comes to the Bengals wide receivers as far as fantasy value goes. So the conversation we got to really have is about Joe Mixon. So we had this beat writer right before the game come out and say, oh, I expect Samaja Perrine and Joe Mixon to split reps in this game. Well, Samaja Perrine didn't get one carry. Now, Joe Mixon wasn't great on the ground here. 14 carries, 33 yards. 2.4 yards a carry against a New York Jets team that you've been able to smash on the ground. Not great. Not the performance you want, but you know Joe Mixon's a better player than that. Of course, fantasy-wise, he was still great because he got the two touchdowns. One rushing, one receiving. Tacked on four receptions for 58 yards on five targets. So you look at that box score. If you didn't watch that game or if you didn't look at you know deeper utilization, look at that box score and you say, oh, Mixon got back involved in the passing game. That's great. That's awesome. We actually are more excited about that, and, and it overtakes the disappointment of the inefficiencies of the rushing game because we know that's the key to him being an RB1. Eh, hold on. That's where Samaja Perrine, from a usage standpoint, was annoying, was utilized. 
He only had one less route run than Joe Mixon in this game. Now he only had the two tar he only had the two targets compared to Mixon's five, two receptions, 16 yards. That's because Mixon's actually good at what he does, unlike Perrine, who's just a guy. But like I said before, the only real negative impact Samaji Perrine has on Mixon is not the threat of becoming a committee, because it's not. But he does play that annoying Gmine Bernard role, which caps this annoying ceiling on Joe Mixon, where there shouldn't be this ceiling, but there is because he gets limited with how involved he could be in the passing game. So he's just annoying in that factor. But Mixon, still a low-end RB1 for me more times than not, and better days will be ahead as far as rushing the football. Not much else to take out of that. CJ Usama is somebody who's always going to be hit or miss as a tight end. He's in that, you know, that 8 to 16, 8 to 18 range of tight ends that you can possibly stream. He ran and almost as many routes as the wide receivers did. So you're fine with that. Four receptions, 33 yards. There'll be times where you can pl- plug him in and hope that he gets a touchdown. But like we warned you last week, don't go picking him up thinking you found this low end tight end one who's on the up and coming because he's not. He's the usage is going to be very inconsistent for a CJ Usma, especially when you're talking about all these other wide receivers and Joe Mixon, who typically speaking will get fed first. So just kind of keep that in mind. Nothing really changes as far as that goes. Talking about Buffalo and Miami, 26 to 11. I did say Miami was going to cover. It couldn't quite cover. It was a 14-point spread. It wound up being one point short. But the way this game went, it felt like they covered because it was much closer than what the final score would have you believe. Very pitiful offensively for both teams. But Josh Allen because he's Josh Allen, because he uses his legs at the end of the day, finds a way to be very fantasy relevant. 249 yards to the air, two passing touchdowns, and walks away with 55 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Turn it really on in the second half. This game was 3-3 heading into halftime. There was not much going on in this game, but finds a way to come through for you at the end. As I predicted, and I'm not the only one, but I did predict this as well, Cole Beasley without Dawson Knox, was going to see uh, an additional target share than he normally would. And he did. 13 targets, 10 receptions, 110 yards. In a game in which Buffalo didn't do much offensively and didn't score a ton of points. As long as Dawson Knox is out, I do think Cole Beasley is a wide receiver three, especially in full-point PPR leagues, because that extra volume that was going to Knox recently goes back to Cole Beasley as a result, because he just operates in that part of the field. When Knox comes back, I think you bounce Cole Beasley back to being more of a wide receiver four, wide receiver five, who sometimes gets left out of the offense entirely and therefore probably winds up on your waiver wire. So that's all going to dictate whether Dawson Knox can come back or not. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like going into this week, they're listing him more as day-to-day rather than week-to-week, which means he's getting better. He's progressing. We'll see if this is actually the week he's able to come back or not, though. Stephon Diggs. Continues to be a little bit disappointing. Now, this wasn't a great matchup. We talked about this going into the game. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones were healthy. The Dolphins secondary the past couple of weeks have been playing better as a result. Five receptions, 40 yards. He does come away with a touchdown, but it's the seven targets. It's he's just not he's just not the guy he was last year as far as like his target share on this team, where you knew no matter what, maybe some of the other guys got involved, but Stefan Diggs was always going to get you double-digit targets. Always. Hasn't always been the case this year. Still a wide receiver one in my book. Still on an offense that throws the ball more than it runs the ball. Still on a high-scoring offense. 
more times than not. So am I really that concerned about it moving forward? No, but maybe it's time Stephon Diggs can't be expected to be a top five wide receiver week in and week out. Maybe he's more of a lower end wide receiver one than a higher end. That's all. That's it. If you could buy low on Stephon Diggs, I still would. But I'm not going to be overly concerned about it. Emmanuel Sanders, that was the big disappointment. Again, I didn't love the matchup here, but he was a wide receiver three for me. Four targets, totally blanked you. He's been pretty good this year. I'm not going to go so far the other way where Emmanuel Sanders is dead to me and I drop him as a result of this. He's been much better more times than not. So I would keep holding on to Emmanuel Sanders and just chalk this up as it was a bad day and just move on. As far as the running backs go, you know, we're, we're constantly in this watch. Like, is anybody ever going to pull you know, forward between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in a significant enough way where you can actually trust anybody from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know. I don't know if that's really ever going to actually happen. Singletary had seven carries for 28 yards. Zach Moss had eight carries for 19 yards. The thing was, Zach Moss was much more involved in the passing game. Seven targets, six reception, 39 yards. But we know any other given week, it could be Devin Singletary more involved in passing game. They're low in RB3s. And if you have other options, I'd rather play them no matter what. Neither one is really pulling away. Yes, things tend to lean a little bit towards Zach Moss, but not enough for you really to be that confident in it. And nothing's really changed as far as that standpoint goes. On the Dolphins side of the ball, there's not really a ton to break down here. You knew it was a tough matchup. You weren't streaming to a tackle of anyway, who had 21 completions for 39 attempts, 205 yards. Well, you likes the 39 attempts. The volume continues to be there. And in good matchups, Tua is still a streaming quarterback because of the volume, because his team doesn't know how to run the football. Miles Gaskin, 12 carries in this game. Savant Ahmed, seven. Okay, both about three yards carry as far as efficiency goes. But they're just not a running team. They're a pass-first team no matter what the game script is. Plain and simple. Now, here's where it does get a little bit more interesting to talk about. Devontae Parker, he comes back. Right off the bat, 11 targets, 8 receptions, 85 yards. You could tell two tackle of has been missing a true outside wide receiver to go to, or it's maybe just that role. Because he comes back, he assumes his outside wide receiver duties, and therefore Mike Isicki has to go back to playing a little bit more tight end, a little bit more inside. As a result, what I've been telling you guys, why I was saying sell high on Mike Isicki before Devontae Parker comes back, came to fruition in this game. Now, it's a tough matchup, and I don't want to read too much into it because it was a tough match against the Buffalo Bills, but he had four targets compared to Parker's 11 compared to Waddle's 12. I mean, he had been kind of neck and neck with Waddle up until this point. That That's my thing. That's my problem with this. So three receptions, 48 yards on those four targets. He's a guy that I'm going to consider around the top 12 in tight ends when Parker's on the field, but that's how low his value dips because before that, really been a top six tight end every single week. Now, Parker, of course, is always going to have that possibility of re-injury, but don't forget, at some point, we are expecting Will Fuller to return to. And that's why I kept harping on Mike Isicki is a sell-high candidate. If you can still sell high on him because of the games leading up until this point, please do so. Please do so, because as they get healthier wide receiver, Isicki will get less and less involved on a consistent basis. May still have a good game here and there, but it's not going to be very consistent. I know Waddle, box score-wise, four catches, 29 yards, definitely not great. 12 targets, still had the volume. They're going to have better matchups, more games not, not playing the number one defense in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills, okay? So 
as long as you get in that volume, I don't think you're worried about Jalen Waddle at all moving forward. Let's dive into our next matchup. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. One of our better matchups on the week. And of course, though, for a lot of reasons, quite disappointing, unfortunately. So Tennessee Titans, they win this game 34-31, but it felt like a loss for the Titans. Derrick Henry gets surgery, Jones fracture. Timeline is 6-10 to weeks. From what I understand, it's more expected to be around 8. 6 is not really in the cards, but because Derrick Henry is who he is, I think he might be back sooner than 10. So let's say it's 8 weeks. We're about to enter week 9. He just had surgery today. Best case scenario, at that point, he's back for your championship week. So what does that mean? It means you can only hold on to Derrick Henry if you have an IR spot that's not being occupied at the moment. It's the only way. Otherwise, he's just dead weight on the back end of your roster if you don't have an IR spot or if it's full with players who might be back a hell of a lot sooner. It's unfortunate. Here's what I will say about stashing Derrick Henry. If there is one player who I would trust after that long of a hiatus to come back and be fantasy relevant, it would be Derrick Henry. Like It would not shock me at all if he was able to come back week 17 to see him get 30 carries his first game back. It just wouldn't surprise you because that's just what Derrick Henry is, and that's what the Tennessee Titans treat him as. But best case scenario in my mind, you're talking about championship week, week 17. Best case scenario. So yeah, unfortunately, depending upon your circumstances, Derrick Henry may not even be worth keeping on your roster. Really unfortunate for the guy who is being the most, not just running back, but most dominant fantasy player, period, up until this point. And I got to give him hats off to him. He got hurt in this game. He still had 28 carries. Yeah, it was only 68 yards. It was still 28 carries. So what does this do for the rest of the team? It's hard to say. They're going to have to be a little bit more pass happy, but on the same time, Ryan Tannehill, he's not a quarterback who does better from a fantasy standpoint based on more volume. In fact, keeping him between 25 and 30 pass attempts is usually the golden area. Being able to play him off of play action and bootlegs and being efficient, that's when he's at his best. When Tannehill has to win you the game and throw the ball, you know, 35, 40 plus times, it actually usually winds up being worse from an NFL and from a fantasy standpoint for Ryan Tannehill. So the only player I think this maybe benefits is A.J. Brown to some degree because it probably will add, like I said, they'll probably throw it a little bit more and it'll add extra volume to his plate. And because health-wise, he seems physically more like A.J. Brown than he was earlier on the season getting over the hump of those injuries, maybe he continues to be able to hold on to his wide receiver one, even if the offense is a little bit less efficient. It's going to be very interesting. Now, they signed Adrian Peterson. Of course, we're going to get into Adrian Peterson a ton during the waiver wire episode tomorrow. But here's what I will say about that. I'm not going to get overly excited. We still have to see how this whole thing plays out. I will say, though, Peterson's probably the perfect pickup because he can play that power run role, and they can still kind of keep somewhat of their identity on offense on what they really want to do and what they're kind of based off of. And obviously it won't be the same, but they can kind of keep some of their identity and maybe not do a full 180 from being the offense they were before and after Derrick Henry. Okay. So, or I should say during and after Derrick Henry. 
So AJ Brown, not worry about that. Of course, he was great in this game. 10 receptions, 155 yards, a touchdown on 11 targets. We'll see when Julio Jones is able to come back. But AJ Brown, even when Julio is back, I'm not worried about his volume, especially now that I'm going to expect a little bit more. And Tannehill was still good in this game. And from a fantasy standpoint, Tannehill will be still hovering around that top 12 territory, depending upon the matchup. So keep that in mind as well. We'll look forward to that moving forward. On the Colts side of the ball, Carson Wentz, he played a good game up until the end of it when he just started giving the ball away for no reason. 231 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, tacked on 11 yards on the ground. T.Y. Hilton, unfortunately, got a concussion in this game, already ruled out for Thursday. As a result, though, the volume went right back to Michael Pittman. 10 receptions, 86 yards, had two touchdowns on the game, 15 targets. I still think this offense as a whole operates better if they have a T.Y. Hilton. They have a deep threat, essentially, so they can play all levels of the field because teams more and more are kind of just squeezing them when Hilton's not out there. So we'll see if he's able to get out there for any kind of consistent length of time. It just doesn't seem like he can be out there from a week-to-week basis right now. Uh, But I do think he helps out Carson Wentz as far as being a streamer. He helps out Michael Pittman as far as getting some extra attention off of him. Although you can make the argument that without him, he gets a ton of volume, keeping him a giving him a base floor every single week, which is true. Jonathan Taylor is really the one consistent where I don't think it matters because he's been playing so well. He's been so efficient lately. 16 carries, 70 yards, picks up the rushing touchdown here. Also tacks on three reception, 52 yards. Again, the big thing goes back to their Frank Reich is not involving Naeem Hines and not involving Warren Mack at all in this game, the same level that he was. He's not quite rotating Jonathan Taylor in and out at the annoying clip that he was earlier in the season. Now, Naeem Hines was still involved in the pass game, five targets, four catches, 22 yards. But he's allowing Jonathan Taylor to be the focal point of the offense and then branching off of that. So that's what we like to see moving forward. Uh, last game to talk about, we got the Rams, Houston Texans. Davis Mills continues to stink. Tyrod Taylor, we still don't know if he's going to be back this week. We're hoping maybe he is, again, for Brandon Cooks' sake. Brandon Cooks was able to have a decent game in this one, though. Most of it coming on a 45-yard garbage-time touchdown, but you'll take it any way you can get it. A lot of Brandon Cooks' value is based on garbage time because of the way Houston Texans have been operating as a football team this year anyway. Six receptions, 83 yards on six targets. The running game, the only note I'll make is this. No Mark Ingram. We saw Scotty Phillips be involved. Rex Burkhead got the touchdown. It wasn't even Philip Lindsay who got to be the guy, which is the only one that makes any sense because of how young he is. And we know he's been good as a first and second down runner in the past, but I don't know. Look, it's Brandon Cooks. It's nothing else. And he went Tyrod Taylor back to give Brandon Cooks a little bit more of a stable floor from week to week to week, which I do think is going to happen sooner rather than later. Whether it happens this week or not, I don't know. We'll watch it in practice report, but I do believe it'll happen sooner rather than later. The Davis Mills experiment can at least be over for a little while. On Ram side of ball, I mean, I don't know what else. There, I don't know what there is to really break down. Because uh, Stafford, 300 yards, three touchdowns. Everyone did what they expected them to do. Stafford, 300 yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, seven receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. Darrell Henderson, 14 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Tax on uh, another receiving touchdown, three yards. I mean, he was great in this game, too. I'm not worried about Sonny Michelle getting nine carries because, again, we had they were blew him out. I mean, all of Houston's 22 points came in the fourth quarter. All of it. 
They completely, the Rams have completely stopped playing at that point. They already had the game well in hand. So you see 38 to 22. It wasn't a back and forth game as that score might suggest that it was. It was all 22 points in the fourth quarter for Houston. So we're not worried about the usage overall at the end of games. The only thing I will say is Robert Woods, three receptions, 35 yards, because the receiving touchdown, because a rushing touchdown. He's been usable from a fantasy standpoint. Now, I do think he's playing with fire a little bit because his usage still hasn't been quite sustainable or what you would want it to be. But they keep getting these good matchups because his offense is so high-powered. He keeps finding a way to be more fantasy-relevant than he was in the beginning of the year. So continue to play him as a wide receiver three on a good offense. Therefore, he has opportunities. The one guy I want to keep my eye on, though, and I talked about him last week. I want to continue to keep my eye on him. Van Jefferson. Still don't know if I'm at the point that I want to play him every week. But three receptions, 88 yards. He's running and playing just as much as Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And this team's mostly based on three receiver sets. So I don't think that's going to go away. I got a comment in here. KFC's 007 smile. How have you felt about the major so far? Lots of upsets. Any thoughts about the liquid elimination? Will Navy win it all? Uh, I think you've got me confused with another sport there, but thank you for tuning in. KFC 007 smile. A weird way to end the show. Well, I will say is that I'll end the show on this. Van Jefferson, somebody who might be sneaking his way into low end wide receiver three territory. He keeps putting up the same kind of usage he's been having. It almost feels like he might be on the verge, maybe after this season, of replacing a Robert Woods. Very similar skill set, runs routes very similarly to that, starting to work his way into the mix. So Van Jefferson, somebody we'll talk about more tomorrow. The only disappointing thing here was Tyler Higby. Three receptions, 25 yards, three targets. It just seems more and more he keeps being the odd man left out, especially as Van Jefferson establishes himself in this offense. But more times than not, the targets, the play, the usage, the offense, it's still all there to continue to make Higby somewhere in that top 12 area to make him kind of a play, although it just hasn't been quite the season that I was hoping for for him. That's going to do it for the show today. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. at Belly Up MDFF Show and on YouTube talking about the primetime recaps of Sunday night and Monday night. And of course, that all-important waiver wire report, which is going to be a very, very important one tomorrow. So make sure you guys don't miss that show. If you do, make sure you check us out on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. And tomorrow night, we'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro from 7 to 8 Tuesday night. So make sure you guys tune in for that as well. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thanks for all hanging out. We'll talk to you again soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.